wrap up on Monday Night Madness on Beyond the Airwaves, the Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It's Monday night. Yep, yeah, you know what that means. Time for another long week. Of course, we did have Easter yesterday, so we hope you enjoyed it. Of course, you probably, you know, hope you didn't eat too much chocolate or too much food yesterday. <laughs> oh, anyway, this is Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project, and because it is Monday, that means it's time for Weekend Wrap-Up and Monday Night Madness. I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Stream. I'm currently joined on the line by Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, my dear. All right. Uh, our Joker Mike, he's had some weather issues. It seems okay, but he didn't want to chance it. Don't blame him. Trust me. It's fine. Because, you know, if severe weather happens, you know, it happens. Because I remember earlier there have been warnings around his area. So, as I saw it on the Weather Channel. And mine, too. Uh, I always call in on my phone, so yeah. I'm not as bothered by such things, whereas uh, my colleagues have a tendency to use Direct Connect, which could be affected by the weather. So Yeah. Uh, well, believe it or not, and he is not. Yeah. I remember one time, let's see, well, usually Mike calls in on his, on, eh, on his phone, too, if I can get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> oh, my. You know what? I need to get that. I need to get that line Chris Tucker said to um, Jackie Chan. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> I, I was thinking got more along the lines of uh, Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction, censored, of course. English, okay. Pete, you speak it. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, anyway, except on Fridays when we when we play the uncensored version of that one. Yeah. In other words, Monday through Thursday we play this. If I can get it, hold on. You, I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up. <laughs> and I will not play the uncensored until Friday. So there. <laughs> yeah, you're just gonna have to wait. Like it or not, yep. don't wait. Yep. Because Friday night is our rated R show. Well, more like NC-17, but the ratings don't even go to NC-17. <laughs> well, it'd be it's equal, either PG-13 R or private. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be the equivalent of an NC-17 movie in theaters. Right. Without actually being it. Uh-huh. Well, let's see. I think I want to go to the box office first. That's where I, that's where I would like to go, the box office. Mhm. Yeah, because here's what, yeah, here are the big winners. The big winner for this weekend was The Curse of La Llorona. La, 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 Llorona. I am surprised nobody's come up with a darn thing to match my Sharona yet. <laughs> or somebody may have. Maybe oh Weird Al did. No, Weird Al already did my oh Bologna. My. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, the curse Bologna. of la, 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 la. Yeah, the curse of la 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 la, Yorona. <laughs> yeah, it actually won, but this was one of the weakest Easter weekends in a long time. But let's see, the movie made $26.3 million, but it way outdid the budget by nearly three times. The budget was just $9 million. <laughs> Nice. So it's like, yep. So it's like, well done. And guess who the director oh, was? They made their money back. Yeah, and then some. <laughs> and guess who? The, you want to know who the director of that movie was? Who? James Wan, the Aquaman uh, director. Who also directed The Conjuring, Insidious, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. Saw. Uh huh. I suddenly think back to the days when the when the East L eight was open. There was like something really where they had like it was like Shrek three. No, it was Shrek. No, it was like Shrek three plus something two equals Saw five. <laughs> that was funny. And now there's eight Saw films. The yep. eighth one, not called Saw, but rather Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But it's part of the same franchise. It just has a different right. name. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And then for those that are those that are curious, also speaking of Jane, uh, James Wan and The Conjuring, you may know that uh, The Conjuring, The Conjuring Two, Annabelle and Annabelle Creations are all in the same universe, as is The Nun. Right. But there's another and... Annabelle movie coming, as well as The Conjuring Three. Right. And all of those are going to be set in the same universe. Interesting. Well, speaking also, of the same... Oh, hold on a second, Tim, before you go on. Speaking of the same universe, uh, we've got our AZ Magician. She made it! Hey, Barry. Yay! Yeah, it didn't take as long as I wanted to. All I right. am going to reboot my computer and call in on Direct Connect if it works. Okay, well, stay on the line till it does, okay? Right. So well, was, anyway, and then, anyway, Tim, back to you. Speaking also of The Conjuring and The Conjuring Universe, uh, something happened relatively recently, and I don't think we touched about it on the show, and I'm strongly contemplating perhaps the next new episode of Secrets of the Unknown will probably be a dedication episode. But uh, Lorraine Warren passed away recently. And you might remember her and her husband, Ed, as the famous uh, paranormal investigators of the Amityville Horror and mm-hmm. a number of other cases, as well as the owners of uh, the possessed Raggedy Ann doll known as Annabelle. Right. Is the original Annabelle up, uh, upon which the... Uh, Conjuring Universe films were based. And there are people out there, and I I will touch more on this in such an episode, but there are people out there who are very skeptical of the Warrens and their intentions and their findings. But whether you believed them, whether you didn't believe them, whether you were skeptical of them, there's no doubt that Ed and Lorraine Warren left their mark on the paranormal field. Ed mm-hmm. passed away in 2006, and Lorraine did just a few days ago. And she is going to be missed by everybody. I never got to meet her, uh, but she is a very, was known to be a very sweet, very humble lady. And even people who did not agree with the Warrens said, oh, absolutely, they're wonderful people. We just don't agree with them. That's all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm thinking... If you believe or not, hey, whether you believe in what they do or not, they're people, just like mm-hmm. us. Exactly. Yep. And so our next brand new episode of Secrets of the Unknown, not the upcoming one, because we're going to be, I believe we're, we're talking a repeat for the yeah. next one, but the next, the next brand new one, we're going to dedicate the entire hour to Ed and Lorraine Warren in honor work. of Lorraine's memory. And we'll talk a little bit about Amityville again. I mean, we we've already done an episode on it, but we'll talk a little bit more about it, perhaps from the Ed and Lorraine Warren angle. You know, what did they? Say they found what did they say happened in the house of 112 Ocean Avenue? Uh, we'll talk a bit about some of their other cases, including that of the Perrin family, which was the basis for the conjuring. Mm-hmm. And I would I would love to get her on the show, but I don't know how comfortable she would be talking about it. Right. But through my ventures to the rabbit hole, I actually have met Andrea Parent, the youngest daughter of that family who actually bore witness to the events of that haunting. And I highly doubt I'll be able to get her on the show. I don't know. I, I mean, if I did, I don't know how comfortable she would be talking about it. But she is a wonderful lady. She's a pleasure to have over at the rabbit hole. And I think even if we can't get her on the show, if I can get from her some idea of 
what she went through from her own perspective. We might just go with that. But I, I definitely do want to talk a little bit about the haunting of the house that she grew up in. Like I said, she was the youngest daughter. She was not the only daughter. And then the Warrens had another case in England that I'm going to have to do a little bit more digging into that's supposed to be the basis for The Conjuring 3. And, of course, I, I would be... Oh, uh, what's the word I want here? Dismissive, uh, I guess. If I yeah. fail to acknowledge the fact that on Ghost Adventures, they actually got Annabelle to appear on Ghost Adventures. And that crossed the line of acceptable behavior again. Mm. Uh, but I don't want to say what that is now because I want to talk about that briefly on that episode because Annabelle does belong to the Warrens and so there is that connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, here's one. I'm going to paste a link in the Facebook chat. Okay. Uh, surely if you would do me the honor to share it with the BTR chat if Ashley or JJ are located there. And All yes, right. I'm going to plug on Road Media again because that's just what I do. But we'll <laughs> talk about the uh, the Curse of La Llorona or the uh, Sleeping Woman, the movie. This is a, a video put together by Mike Rexecker, who has been on our show during the Mineral Springs episode. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the true story of La Llorona, what actually happened and what the legends actually say. Because I don't want people to go see this movie. And I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But I know that people oftentimes have a tendency to accept what they see as real. This is a video that he put together for a recent Friday Night Ghost Frights uh, on the true story of La Llorona. So you can get a feel for what actually supposedly occurs. You know, who is she? Why is she weeping? What is the the story behind this legend? I encourage you to watch that video and find out for yourself. And, of course, do me a favor. If you do, please click like and subscribe. I know Mike would appreciate it, and I definitely will. So if you're listening, Mike, there's yet another plug for your channel. I got you. Sounds like a plan to me. All right. Well, anyway, so I uh, put that up there for oh. those that are interested. Okay. Let me look at that a little later. Anyway, uh, Shazam dropped to number two after spending the last two weeks in the top spot. However, the good news is it has made it past the budget. At $120 million, the budget was actually 100 So, that's a good thing. Of course, the movie made about $16.4 million. Uh, number three was the... Uh, Christian movie Breakthrough, which actually made $11.3 million, which really isn't bad. But you know where I like to go? To the bottom of the heap. <laughs> Let's see, all the movies that made under $1,000. <laughs> oh, here we go. Yeah, the biggest losers. <laughs> so here we go. All these, all these did, in fact, get under $1,000 at the box office. So here we go. We have Knife Plus Heart, $978. The Wild Pear Tree, 900 bucks. Hotel by the River, $805. Oh, now this is a surprise. Stan and Ollie is still playing somewhere. 750 bucks. <laughs> then we got Free Solo, $698. Hale County This Morning, This Evening, $625. Mapplethorpe, $580. Sorry Angel, $527. Off Season, $465. Screwball, $449. Virginia, Minnesota, $325. Ferrante Fever, $242. Uh, let's see. Avant Quant Explosé, $238. The Last Resort, $211, and the winner, or should I say the loser, is Ruben Brandt's Collector, 135 bucks. 
but you know the curse of La Llorona, the curse of La 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 Llorona may have won this weekend. But guess what's coming in the horizon? Everybody, all together, end game. <laughs> yeah. The big, I mean, everybody by now knows this will be, this will probably destroy the entire competition this coming weekend. The biggest question is, how much money could it make in the U.S.? Some people are already talking the possibility it could become the first movie ever to make $300 million in a weekend. I have to admit that uh, given the way Infinity War kind of took off and just literally exploded, yeah, I, I personally <clears throat> threw my ballot in the lot with the $300 million. Yes, I had posted it at the Big Screen Cinema Fans Facebook group. I said, look, everybody knows Avengers Endgame, Avengers Endgame will destroy the entire competition. The only question is, how much could it make in the U.S.? I said, could it be over $200 million, $250 million, or $300 million? A lot of us are saying it's $300 million. So, ooh, excuse me, but that is that's going to be huge. <laughs> oh, excuse All me, right. and uh, basically the countdown has begun because uh, there's a there's another Facebook group it's called I'll the Hall right of back. Super Tunes. Okay, there's a group called the Hall of Super Tunes. And uh, the uh, the head man there, my friend James Henry Ward, has already started posting pics relating to the Marvel superhero cartoons of the 60s who do, in fact, show up, you know, in the Avengers movies. So today is Captain America. Who knows what they've got this week? But it's basically the countdown to Endgame. So that's the story. Yes, me. All right, I'm going to do a reboot again because guess what? Okay. What? Snarky ass. Hmm. Snarky ass. Hmm. Uh, so go ahead. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, huh. here's um, here's um, something fun. Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, some people have already gotten it tonight <laughs> on the PS4. It's supposed to be available, I think, on Nintendo Switch at midnight tonight. I may consider getting it. I don't know yet. It's a thought. <laughs> You're not. You a, I didn't think you'd be into martial arts. Well, I I, well, I used to play the game when it was in, when it was available in the basement of the cafeteria at uh, Auburn University Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it has been so long. So, so it's been a long, yeah, long time. <laughs> so. Oh, I already have a friend in Mesa that's going to be getting it. Yeah. Well, I saw this story earlier on the news today, and I told Janet about this. She knows about it. A Florida dog that was stolen in 2017 has been reunited with family after being found abandoned in Colorado. Bastards. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. That is a yeah. good, happy reunion. That's a happy ending. And there's yeah. Eyeshine. She's here. Hey, Eyeshine. Hello. But, yeah. Um, I'll post it in there too, since you know now we're it's like we don't have the separate chat room window anymore. <laughs> yeah, All right. that's stupid, stupid, stupid. As far as I'm yeah. Concerned. Well, anyway, yeah. Well, anyway, here's what happened. This is out of Hugo, Colorado. A Florida family was reunited with a beloved pet two years after the dog was stolen from their backyard. The homecoming team came by chance thanks to a resident of Hugo, Colorado, and a Colorado deputy. The Peterson family said someone stole Cedar, then four months old, from their Southwest Ranch's Florida backyard in 2017. A Hugo resident discovered the German Shepherd cold and abandoned in a ditch earlier this month. Hugo Deputy Marshal Steve Rand responded to the call about the stranded dog. 
The dog was actually snow-covered, so I passed it twice. Didn't even see it, Ryan said. She was wet, appeared to be malnourished. So Ryan took her to Dr. Lisa McHugh at Eastern Colorado Veterinary Services in Lyman, Colorado, where she underwent around three weeks of recovery. I would say for what she'd been through, she's in very good shape, McHugh said. McHugh scanned the dog's microchip and discovered she belonged to a family nearly 2,000 miles away. Wings of Rescue, a nonprofit known for flying cats and dogs out of disaster areas, flew Cedar back home Saturday to the family who never gave up hope that she might one day return. And over the Easter weekend, their prayers were answered. It's unclear how Cedar ended up so far away from home or how long she was alone. Oh, I would like to nail the assholes who ditched her. Yeah. Or maybe she just ran off. There's a chance she, she could have run off, too. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I know. The other word is maybe. Yeah. Tell me about it. Ay, 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 ay. But, you know, oh, we had, and I hope that that, this young boy, he, his mama got arrested when she smacked him for not being a better lookout for the grandma who was shoplifting at Walmart. Oh, boy. Grandma was shoplifting at Walmart. He was supposed to be lookout, but didn't do a good job at the lookout. Oh. So Mama Mama went to pick him up and started smacking him upside the head because he wasn't a good enough lookout. Oh, brother. I would love to speak my mind with that bitch. I think we all love that opportunity. Hey, can you do me a favor? Mm-hmm. Play the lowest rant rocket. Okay. You know, I know I've rant summed up two. the article. I've summed up the article, but okay. I think it deserves at least a small rant rocket. Okay, I'll use rant rocket too. I certainly wouldn't. I don't. Hmm. I really, really don't. I don't either. I think they said the kid was five or six. Five, six? Mm-hmm. Was a little mm-hmm. boy. Okay, All well, is- let's see. Yeah, well, let's see. Um. Okay, apparently PS5 will be coming soon. It's going to cost around $400. Oh, speaking of PlayStation, I know you want, may want to save this one for Thursday, but I wish you'd read the article about that guy who was in a Valorant. Oh, yes. Got you know what? I just might go ahead and do that. What the heck? Hit. Right. Right. I don't know if you read it or not, Tim. He did. No, I don't want to pay too much attention to the consoles, but I... I did read that article, but I think you're yeah. going to Yeah, which I think, uh, think general, the, the I PlayStation, I think Sony did, Sony PlayStation Network did the right thing. Yeah. Yes, they did. Well, well I do agree did. with your side of the story, the side of the argument you gave with Mike, too. Yeah. But anyway, it's go just, ahead, Shirley. Yeah, but see, the deal, here's the deal, though. Let's say that, Mike, okay, I'm going to read the article first, Okay. Okay. I'm going to read the article first. Let me get this to iShine in the chat. And you guys have seen this one already, so I don't have to worry about anything. All right, so this was posted back on Saturday. PS4 Gamer loses access to digital games for violating Sony's hate speech policy. One of the dangers of an all-digital future is that gamers have no access rights to their library. 
What does that mean? It means that for gamers who still have access to discs or cartridges, they can still play games offline even if their online account gets penalized, which is true. For gamers who purchase their games digitally, it means that the platform holders can dictate access to your games by enabling or disabling the licenses as they see fit. This is what happened to one gamer who lost access to his PS4 games for a week for violating PlayStation's hate speech policy. Since he requested anonymity, we'll call him Rob for now. So Rob reached out to one angry gamer, which is the website I got this from, insists that he had been temporarily suspended from accessing the PlayStation Network and much to his dismay, his PS4 gaming library after violating the hate speech policy on April 19, 2019. Rob explained via email, My account was temp banned for one week for calling people faggots and niggers. This includes the temp revoking of all of the licenses for all digital downloads in my library. However, a game on a disc still works just fine. You might not agree with my actions since I know you're not a racist, but I am and I don't care. It's fun to talk shit online, and most people are racist anyway. Plus, those terms are thrown around like hotcakes, so who gives a shit? As I know you know, speech restrictions are a slippery slope and tend to go beyond the initial reasons for their installment. Rob shared the email that Sony sent him for violating the Code of Conduct, which you can view below. I'm not going to read the email. You can read you can read that at your own convenience. Let's see. Here's basically the relevant part. Basically what it said was, was, hey... You knew, basically what it boiled down to was, he knew the rules when he just said that. Mm-hmm. Because he had right. to agree to the TOS, and it had to agree to policy before he could even get his online account. Right. Now, here's so what he gets knew interesting. the rules. Mm-hmm. But here's what gets interesting. Ron fears that what may start us with restrictions on hate speech may expand into restrictions on speech in general, preventing people from talking about certain current events, politics, etc. We've seen how Sony had no qualms about extending the long-arm censorship to innocuous things like fan service and cleavage via their PS4 censorship policies. And so it's not hard to see why the people might fear that the rules could be expanded in the future regarding their policies on hate speech. For now, though, Rob had access to his digital games temporarily restricted. So when he attempted to play said games, he was greeting with the following message. Uh, basically, if you activate this PS4 as your primary PS4, you can use your content even when the server is not available. To activate this system as your primary PS4, blah, 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 I ain't going to go through that. The error prevents him from accessing the digital games in the library until the suspension is up. He also shared a screenshot of his game library where his digital titles have locks on them during the suspension. And apparently he's got a lot of games. Rob didn't take the suspension notice lying down, though. He explained that he fired back at them with a snarky response that may have netted him a permanent ban, writing, It might be possible I've been perm-banned now because I responded to Sony's email with no worries. I've decided not to buy a PS5. White pride worldwide. So their mods might be getting salty. Ha ha ha. That's purely speculation, though. To further clarify the reasons for the ban hammer, I already know why, as I stated in my previous email, so it's not a surprise to me that I got banned. Talk about forced migration into the West, directing other PSN users to various chans and white nationalist content, and calling other players <laughs> niggers and faggots, etc. Excuse the language, but that's what he said. Sony lays it out rather clearly over on the PlayStation Code of Conduct page that using any kind of offensive or inflammatory language will likely result in a suspension or a ban. However, what it what the page fails to clarify is that you will also lose access to playing digital games. In fact, it doesn't say anything about game restrictions. Regarding account suspensions, it simply states like this, and this is verbatim. Account suspension means you cannot use your account to access PlayStation Network for a set amount of time. A ban means that you will not be able to use your account to access PlayStation Network at any point in the future. Other users with their own local accounts on the same system can use their accounts as normal. If an account has been permanently banned, we will not refund you for any unused period of subscriptions or any unused wallet funds in line with the SEN Terms of Service. Having community guidelines and rules is standard fare. Enforcing those rules for those who participate in the community is common practice. However, barring people from accessing their games for violating those community guidelines is basically revoking their access to a product they paid for. While most left-wing collectivists will say that they're glad someone who was racist or sexist or transphobic or a bigot was banned from PSN for violating the terms of service, restricting that person from accessing their games crosses over into violating their consumer rights. 
That's not to mention that barring someone from playing a game they paid for is entirely unlikely to change their personal views. In fact, they're probably going to they're probably just going to become more entrenched in those beliefs and express those views even more vehemently elsewhere. In the case of Rob, he was completely uninhibited in the way he tackled various subject matter in the PlayStation community. Being temporarily suspended from PSN for violating the rules is one thing, but preventing someone from accessing their games is a step too far. And let's not forget, this isn't the first time Sony has done this. Previously, Sony had to apologize to a user for restricting his access to his digital library because they were racist and didn't understand Mexican culture. They also banned a user for having a PSN ID that was fine back in 2012, but is now considered politically incorrect, restricting his access to his digital library in the process. This seems to be a growing trend with some companies, taking it upon themselves to not only police their own online communities, but also trying to enforce their moral standards on their users by policing access to gamers' digital libraries. Maybe I should have worded that a little bit better. I mean, if he gets banned, does that mean he gets banned from all the games he has in his digital library, too? Yep, and that's exactly the way it should be. Now let, me, now let me, because Mike's not here, and partly because I understand how this works, <clears throat> let me to elaborate for the, our listeners and, and for the two of you. Okay. You know, I've read the entire article. I gave it a good thing. This is what I posted in the group as a response, and then I'll explain it. I said, I think it's justified. He knows the rules, and he agreed to abide by them when setting up his account. The fact that he is racist does not excuse his violation of the rules that he agreed to. He also chose to purchase digital copies of games rather than physical ones, which are still quite available. He knew the risks, he took the risks, got caught, and is paying the penalty. It's only a week sucking up Buttercup. If you can't control your racist actions, then PlayStation Network might not be for you. And that's the long and short end of the stick. When you buy a digital copy of a game, that game, because you don't have physical media, is tied to your account. If your account gets banned and you cannot access it, then you cannot access anything that's found to your account, such as a digital copy of a game. Sony is well within their rights here. He is not. He, he has the right to be racist if he wants to. He also agreed to abide by the rules that govern his access to the platform. If his racist behavior does not conform to those rules that he agreed to, then it is entirely on him to suffer the consequences. If they are banning him for a week, then I bet this is not the first time he's had a run-in with Sony about this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. And probably not the second either. Mm-hmm. Thirdly of all, he made the choice to buy a digital copy of a game. Pick anyone you want; it doesn't matter. I, with the exception of some that are released on digital only, the vast majority of games can also be bought on disc. Obviously. It goes without saying that if you have the physical media in your hand, they cannot revoke your access to it. Mm-hmm. What they could do, however, is revoke your online access to it. Yeah. Uh, hold on a second, now, Tim. Before you go on, I think we got Ashley here on the line. Hello, Ashley. Oh. Yay! All right. Tim, so, continue, please. So... For him to say, and I don't have the article pulled up, although I did read it earlier, that it's not fair that he gets cut off from games that he purchased, well, generally speaking, I would agree with that. However, he made the choice to buy the game digitally instead of physically. That's on him, not on Sony. But even then, he has the ability... Excuse me a minute. Yes. What? Look in the studio. Oh. Oh. Okay. There we are. 
All right. I just need to let my computer rest. He had the ability to conduct himself in a manner that conforms to the rules set forth by Sully. Mm -hmm. And by the sheer nature of who he is, he made the conscious choice not to do so. So, frankly, this is nothing more than him crying because he can't break the rules and get away with it. Yeah. Sorry, but I don't have any kind of sympathy for you. Neither if do you I. you did not agree to the rules, you should not have proceeded to create your account. Since you did agree to the rules and an account was created, the onus is on you to abide by them. Mhm. I agree with you totally, Tim. Just like just like you get these people. I'll just use a police officer as a, an example. They know the job is dangerous when they sign up to be a cop. Mhm. They agree to abide by the rules yep. of the department. And if they don't want to abide by the rules of the department, they shouldn't have become a cop in the first damn place. There you yeah. go. Same thing Same here. With him. Same thing exactly. here. Exactly. Exactly. So, do I feel a bit of uh, sympathy for Ron? No. I don't. I'm oh, sorry, either. but I don't. You know, Me neither. You made the choice to act this way. And you say, well, I paid for it. Well, in that extent, yeah, I could kind of see an argument to that degree. However... That would only really apply if that was the only way to acquire said game. And even mm-hmm. then, you're still paying for a product that is entirely digital in nature and attached to your account. Mm-hmm. You lose access to the account, you lose access to everything associated with said account. Now, let me give you an example of, for those of you that that haven't quite followed me, let me give you an example of what I mean. And I'll use one of my favorite games as an example, although I play it on PC. I don't play it on PlayStation or Xbox. And that being Bioshock the Collection. Bioshock 1, Bioshock 2, Bioshock Infinite, all in one bundle with almost all the DLC. Good. The game is purchasable digitally. I got mine on Steam. Uh, actually, I had all the individual components of it on Steam, so I just got the remaster for free. But I have a digital copy on Steam. Now, where Steam differs from Sony in this regard is if my account, Steam account gets access, I will still be able to access Bioshock. Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. And I don't really have much to worry about because they're not multiplayer titles. The original Bioshock 2 is, but not the one that's in this one because they took the multiplayer out of it. And generally, I don't really play the multiplayer anyway, so what do you do? Mm -hmm. But if I had only a digital copy, and I would say I had it on PlayStation instead of PC, I would have no way of accessing it without accessing my account. Right. And if I am robbed and I violated these rules and I lose access to my account, you're shit out I have of no luck. means of getting even getting in there to play the digital copy. But let's suppose instead of buying it digitally, I had bought a physical copy of it. You and wouldn't I have any problem with disc. Exactly. And I know that it's sold physically because when I work at Toys R Us, we sold the physical copy of the collection on PS4 and Xbox One, which is the same thing that I have on PC, just remastered and and whatnot. So let's suppose I bought the physical copy instead of the digital copy. And like Rob, we'll say I break the rules and my account access gets restricted. Guess what? I can still play the game off the disc, even if mm-hmm. it's not the most up-to-date version of it, but I can still play it. Why? Because there's no, they have no way to block my access to a game on a physical disc that's sitting in front of me. Digitally, mm-hmm. yes. Physically, no. So 
if he's going to make the argument that I lost access to something I paid for, you could have bought it physically, and you wouldn't have this problem. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what the game in question is, and I know there are some that are only available digitally, but the principle still stands. That's a risk that you take when you decide to break the rules. And if you wanted to access all this digital, all these digital games that you bought, you should have abided by the rules and take your racist behavior elsewhere. But he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Therefore, well, I can't feel in other sorry words, for him. He has nobody to blame but himself. Exactly. So even okay. the argument of, well, I lost access to something I paid for, well, yeah, you did, but you made a choice to buy it that way, mm-hmm. depending on the title. Even the ones that are only available digitally, well, again, whether it's available physically or not, you made a choice to buy a digital game. And whether it's available physically or not, it still works the same way. Mm-hmm. So, as far as I'm concerned, it's fully justified, and I guess you have to abide by the rules the next time when the suspension's up if he doesn't want to lose access to these games again. Yeah. In a nutshell, to sum this all up, I know I've been ranting for, what, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, it's Sony's house. It's their rules. You agreed to them. You can mm-hmm. abide by them. If you don't want to do that, don't access it. Don't sign up for an account. You're not yeah. forced to do that. It's like when I go visit Janet, I'm at her house. I am a guest in her home. I do not have the right to do touch anything. I do not touch the air conditioning. I don't do anything unless I ask first. Correct, Janet? Yep. Or I know I'm a guest in someone's home. I don't go... If she says, I don't surely, go just can you turn the air conditioner down a bit, and you're sitting right in front of it, she'll ask you to do it, and that's already given permission. Right. Mm-hmm. Unlike certain people we know who go to try to change the thermostat anyway. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Now, all right, now here's something interesting. Um, we were just talking about Avengers Endgame. Listen to this. This was posted just six hours ago. This is the headline. Demand is so high for Avengers Endgame that many AMC theaters will be open 24 hours a day all weekend. Damn! That means that someone wants to go see it at 3 o'clock in the morning, they can. (laughs) I got one over the (laughs) I firmly believe that that will make $300 million in opening weekend. Yeah, yeah uh, Jeffrey, my nephew, was over here yesterday, uh-huh. and I asked him if he was going to be go see Endgame, and he said he'd planned on it, but all the all the showings have been sold out for the advanced <laughs> tickets. Yeah, he had planned to go see it. Mhm. All right. Now listen to this. Here, there are three facts to this article. Number one. AMC Theaters, the largest movie theater chain, announced today that 17 of its theaters in the U.S. will be open from Thursday night through Sunday to accommodate the high demand to see Avengers Endgame. Number two, 29 AMCs are scheduled to be open around the clock Thursday through Friday, and 18 are scheduled to be open around the clock Thursday through Saturday, or Friday through Sunday, depending on the time zone. This is in response to the huge pre-sales for Endgame that AMC has received. The company announced that the movie broke the record for the most pre-sale tickets sold for any movie in the 99-year history of AMC. I didn't know it's been around that long. <laughs> Shite. Yeah, well, anyway. Oh, my. Here's what's going on. The ticket pre-sales for Avengers Endgame are like nothing the industry has seen before. The onslaught on dem- of demand for tickets to see the close the close of the first phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has caused movie theater sites to go down and Fandango to build a waiting room to support its customers. I believe that one. And the largest theater chain plans to stay open throughout the movie's opening weekend to support the high demand. In a release sent out by AMC Theaters today, the chain announced that 17 AMC theaters in the U.S. are scheduled to be open around the clock from Thursday night when Endgame begins to have showings through Sunday. That is 72 straight hours to see the remaining Avengers battle Thanos. 
So it's like I said, you want to. It's like I said, you want to go see it at three o'clock in the morning. You may be able to. <laughs> oh my! Of course, I won't be doing that. It's like, sorry, I need my sleep. I don't care. Let's see. The idea came after the pre-sales for Endgame broke the record for the most pre-sale tickets sold for any movie in the 99-year history of AMC, according to the company. With a desire to satisfy as many Marvel fans as possible on Thursday and through the weekend, AMC's programming team is reviewing ticket sales theater by theater and adding showtimes later and later, Elizabeth Frank, the executive vice president of worldwide programming for AMC, said. Along with the 17 AMCs open for 72 hours straight beginning Thursday, 29 are scheduled to be open around the clock Thursday through Friday, and 18 are scheduled to be open around the clock Thursday through Saturday or Friday through Sunday. Of course, if anyone's been going crazy, you know, I think some like 12 AMC theaters across the country. If you're crazy enough to do three, more than three, no, it's a little less than three days worth of all the uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, they've been having that going on, too. Let's see. This is all music to Disney's ears. Because Endgame has a running time of more than three hours, some wondered if the movie could top the record-breaking $257.6 million opening weekend of Infinity War, as there are only so many showtimes a theater can have for a three-hour movie. But AMC giving the movie the 24-hour treatment is a good sign. And don't be surprised if other theaters follow its lead. And like I said, seriously, there is a chance that this movie, by itself, could make over $300 million this weekend. It would be the first movie to ever do it. There's no movie's ever done it. You know, um, you gotta, gotta take, you gotta be crazy to wanna, you really gotta be a fan, a really big true fan. Yeah. To be able to do something like that. Take Mm -hmm. a look at what happened when, um, the first Twilight movie came out. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah, everybody went... Good. Everybody went nuts. They were Mm -hmm. standing in line for um, ages. You know, for 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Dressed as vampires. Right. No. Yeah, it was like, what was it? Team Edward, Team Jacob, I'm personally Team Alice and Jasper. <laughs> Whoever they are. Uh, Alice and Jasper, they're two of the Collins. I, I never, are they wolves or bats? Vampires. Okay, so they're the bats. Yeah, they're the, yeah, they're the bats. <laughs> and so are, oh God, who are the others? There's, um... Rosalie, Emmett, that's see, that's one, two, three, four, five. There's one more in the group. I forgot who it was, but let's see. There's the husband and wife. Esme is the is the wife, and Carlisle is the husband. Okay. He also happens to be a doctor. <laughs> Which is kind of unusual. Uh, I believe it. Yeah. And you know what's really interesting? There are... um, Let's see, what is it? There are so many movies celebrating anniversaries this year, too. Let me see. Field of Dreams is 30. Found out... uh, 30 going on... Was it 13 going on 30 is 15 years old. Never heard of that movie before. That was one of Jennifer Garner's first. It's one of Jennifer Garner's first leading roles. Uh, Goes to show you how. A little special note for uh, Field of Dreams. Yep. I can't speak. I can't speak for Mike or Frodo, but I can for myself. Uh, They actually filmed that up in Dyersville, Iowa. That's right. They did. I have. I have been to the field itself. And I don't That's know what cool. happened to it. I think that field is still around. I think that field is still around. I can check and find out. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. And uh, I don't know what happened to it because I've been you know, around a few times. But I used to have a little, 
I guess, vile, for lack of a better word, of mm-hmm. dirt from the mound. Ah. They actually filmed it on. Mm-hmm. And the tag and the, the tagline of the movie really it you know, really was if you build it they will come. Yeah. If you were to go and visit it, at least back then I don't know what all they do today because it's, it's been at least. We'll see. I went there with both of my grandparents, so you're looking at at least twenty years mm-hmm. plus since I've been there. And I'm 40 now, so that tells you about how long ago this was. Uh, but back when I went there, they even had uh, a game of baseball being played actively on the diamond. Mm-hmm. I guess a bunch of people that came to visit say, you know what, hey, let's pick up some bats and balls and gloves and let's play a game. Mm-hmm. If you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, there's so many there's so many movies celebrating anniversaries this year. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Back to the Future Part Two. Mm-hmm. Is That's right. Thirty. That's correct. Year. And sadly, they didn't do a very good job of predicting 2015. Oh well. I think they only had one or two things right, I think, and even then, one of them they had right only just barely. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, yeah. I remember even four years ago, everybody saying, okay, scientists, you have X number of months to perfect the hoverboard. Now let's get it done. It didn't quite happen. Yeah, there are hoverboards out there, but not that kind of hoverboard. No, not yet, anyway. We will get to that point sometime. I will be in our lifetime, but. <laughs> I wanted a flying car. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and a predictable weather service. Mm-hmm. But I'm not buying a gray sports almanac, okay? And I'm not going to go back in time 30 years and give it to my younger self to yeah. be rich. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah, here's, something, here's a little bit of TV news for you. I was watching Arrow tonight, and, boy, you know what gets crazy when you've got a Ghostbuster and the TV Highlander? Ernie Hudson, Adrian Paul in the same episode. It's like, holy cow, talk about pop culture madness right there. (laughs) You're kidding. No, Ernie Hudson and Adrian Paul were in tonight's episode. (laughs) Well, I know know you were telling me about the Highlander, but Ernie Hudson? Yes, Ernie Hudson. It's like, He's a it's like it's, yeah, a Ghostbuster and the TV Highlander. It's like, oh my gosh, this is what I call pop culture madness. <laughs> yeah, Ernie Hudson played Winston Zedmore. Yep. Yep. And I like, and I like at the end of Ghostbusters, he's all covered in marshmallow goo, goo and he looks up. I love this town. <laughs> That's what he oh shouted my. at the end of the movie. That's what he shouted at the end of the movie. Oh, yes. I believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, here's some other TV news. Um, The season finale of NCIS Los Angeles is going to bring back two people from the 90s show DAG. Oh, you're kidding. Nope. And, yes, it's the two originals, Harm and Harm and Cat. Let me see. Let me double check that one more time. Hold on. I know Harm was one of them, but I forgot Catherine Bell's character's name. Darn it. <laughs> oh, my. It's Mac. Yeah, Catherine Bell is her real name. She'll be playing Sarah Mac McGenzie. So it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be fun. Okay. Because I can't gonna, what does Jack stand for? I you can't remember. Judge Advocate, Judge Advocate General, I believe. Uh, 
but anyway, I actually wonder what's happening over at, um, what's that other show she does? Good Witch! Yeah, Catherine Bell does that show Good Witch, too. Maybe it's, you know, you know, depending on if Good Witch ends, there could be a JAG reboot, and the two of them could be back! Yeah, David James, David James Elliott and Catherine Bell, so... And speaking of NCIS, uh, Los Angeles and Nolens have both been renewed. So, uh, here's here's something I, I want to put out just because I found it interesting, and okay. I'm going to share a link to my local NBC affiliate. This is not a local story; it's just their reporting on it. How many of okay. you, specifically the three of you in here in the studio, let me? are familiar with Bob Ross. Yes. Have you ever have you had the chance to sample Bob Ross cereal? No. Never yes. even heard of it. That. Yes, that Bob Ross. There's a link in the in the Facebook chat if somebody would move it over to the BTR. Alright. And so do you have your Bob Ross cereal yet? Yes. That Bob Ross. Uh-huh. The legend of Bob Ross continues to grow nearly a quarter century after his death. The one-time PBS TV show host and art instructor, who's transitioned into 21st century internet celebrity, now finds his likeness on a box of cereal. Oh, my I God. Back to his 1983 to 1994 TV program, The Joy of Painting, FYE is selling Bob Ross the Joy of Cereal. The product description on FYE.com, which is a link that you can click to go right to it, excuse me, plays off his favorite expressions from the show. Now you can pour yourself a happy little bowl of delicious Bob Ross cereal for breakfast. This toasted oat cereal is full of crunchy marshmallows and various Rothian shapes, including almighty mountains, lovely little brushes, and even the occasional happy little accent. Just relax, eat, and watch it happen. Although Ross died in 1985, his popularity has soared on the Internet in the decades that have followed. His official YouTube channel has more than 2.5 million subscribers. But it's not just an old TV show that's a hit. Type Bob Ross products into your browser, and you'll have a choice of everything from paint sets and toasters the t-shirts and board games. With so many things available from Ross, there's absolutely no reason you shouldn't have a happy little day. So chill, just like Bob. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that is good. And there is a picture. At the, at the this, there it is. Picture. Bob Ross enjoys cereal. <laughs> I wonder if it's rolling yeah, over in his grave. happy little brush. <laughs> <laughs> I just got the 90-second signal, so um, we're just doing, we only have four shows this week. Uh, tomorrow is New Car Smell Tuesday. Thursday, we don't have a show Wednesday. We're going to take a break. Thursday, the free-for-all. Friday, all-out review of Naughty Mad Libs once again. I'm bringing the <laughs> oh. naughties. Yep. All well, right. Anyway. Yep, exactly. So anyway, please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us at our website, beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways you can catch up. First is the Stitcher.com app, available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from blogtalkradio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search in the podcast for Beyond the Airwaves, and you'll find many of our episodes there. So with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night, sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for New Cars Milk Tuesday. Good boy. Oh, ouch. So don't forget, let's all have some Bob Ross cereal. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoy us some, some almighty Ha, 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 ha.
All right. That's all for tonight. Have a great night, and remember the following three things. You m- I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! As Whoa. one. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am... And finally... This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen. Shut up! Stop! Oh, All right. Play those shit one. Play those shit one. Any okay. Other, All right. This is the voice of the Mysterons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen. Oh, oh shit! shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Rob Paulson does it better. Yeah, that's fun. Well, anyway, have a great night, and please remember. Have a, enjoy those happy little accidents. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's enjoy all. Have a nice evening, y'all. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, y'all. <laughs> I never knew Sweet Cereal yeah. would give us that kind of job, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs>